so good to be here with you. And thank you all for turning out to Life at Six. We have Life at Six happening down in Timaru right now, and it's our Passion Night, which is just one hour of extended worship. So our team will be 20 minutes into it tonight. But we're here together And it's been a blessed weekend meeting with you all. Uh, I haven't had a chance to shake all of your hands, give you a hug, um, connect with you all. And I'm really sorry we don't have that time. But it's just a real privilege to be here. So thank you, everybody, for the invitation to come. Thank you, Carl, for the invitation to be here and be with you. Your theme for the year, oh, the lights are blinding me there and I can't, it's not there either. But anyway, bigness, unity, more. And I believe over the last few weeks you've been focusing on bigness and unity and tonight is more. So tonight more we will talk about. Uh, My question is, do you want more? Gosh, you were quick to answer that. You didn't ask me what I was going to say more of. You just said you want more. You know, you've got to be careful there. What do you want more of? Now, maybe be careful before you respond even to that. So let me help you. Let me ask you a couple of questions tonight. What is it you love the most? Now, I'm sorry, dark chocolate cannot feature in that answer. Neither can a hot shower, or lying down in the park and deciphering the shapes of clouds as they waft over by on a lovely spring warm afternoon. What is it you love the most? I guess you could always say Jesus. Here's the second question. What is your greatest fear? So you've got an answer to both those questions. How many's answer to both those questions is exactly the same? The thing you love the most should be your greatest fear of losing. The answer to the both questions should be the same. So what do you want more of? I want more of the thing or the things that I love the most. And losing what I love the most should be my greatest fear. Now to him, Ephesians three nineteen and 20, your theme verse, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. These two verses that we find here in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 19 and 20 form the doxology to Paul's prayer. You think, my goodness, what on earth is a doxa what? A doxology. A glory saying. Doxa glory. Ology. Logia. Saying. It forms the conclusion 
to one of Paul's great prayers, which just goes before what we have just read and gives us the context for verse 20 and 21. Let me read it for you. And if you've got your device or your Bible, I'm in Ephesians chapter 3, as if you hadn't guessed. Ephesians 3, verse 14. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray. And Paul begins to pray for the church in Ephesus. He could be praying it for this church. He could be praying it for our church. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. What a prayer. And then he wraps it up with this wonderful glory saying, this doxology. Now to him. I could even go back to New King James. Now unto him who is able to do that. Immeasurably more than you could ever imagine, think, or, or comprehend. Now unto him who can accomplish this, be praise and glory. Now unto him, according to his power that is at work within us. I've got three points tonight. For those of you who are here this morning, you just got that. I didn't have a three-point sermon tonight, I do. These verses are talking, first of all, about being aligned. Verse 16. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. In other words, become aligned with the purposes of God. Become aligned with the cause of Christ. It's not your cause, it's his. He has invited us to participate in the divine trinity and the mission of that divine trinity. It's his cause. We then are being strengthened to align through his spirit in our inner being, so that Christ, verse 17, may dwell in your hearts through faith. When I align my life with the spirit of God, I begin to do what the Bible tells, and that is I walk in the spirit. Do you experience that? Do you experience this glorious life in Christ where you walk in the spirit? You are attuned to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And you walk in the Spirit. You see, because the mark of the people of God in the New Testament is different now than what the mark of the people of God was as the nation under God, as a Jewish nation. The mark of the people of God in the Old Testament was they were the people of Torah. They were people of the book. 
This is what made them stand out. This was what their uniqueness was. They were people of the book. This is why the book was so important. Still is for us. But now the mark of the follower of Jesus today is that we are marked by the Spirit who he has poured out, deposited within us. Wow, God lives in me? Yeah. And now I align myself with him and through his power, enabled by him, his glorious riches, through the spirit in my inner being, I align myself with him. How I live my life is aligned with him. The second thing we see here is that we are to be rooted and established in love. The middle, the end of verse 17. I pray that you being rooted and established in love. Why does he want us to have that? That we might be grounded, grounded in the love of Christ for you and me. This is nothing new for you, but it's giving context to the immeasurably more. And as we're rooted and established in love, what does it say? You may have power together with all God's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. How well do we grasp this love? It's very hard if you've not grown up being adequately nurtured. If you've not grown up feeling the love of a parent wrap itself around you and feel so secure. To lie in bed at night tucked up as a child feeling totally secure. Not worrying about where breakfast is coming from. Not worrying about anything because you know mum or dad or mum and dad have got it all sorted. Christ wants to wrap us up in his love. So that we know, listen, I don't know what the future holds. I don't even know how I'm going to get through today. But you know what? His love envelops my life. And come what may, I will not abandon him because I'm rooted and established in love. To whom else will I turn? No matter how dark the days get, I'm rooted and established and the love of Christ. And I love the way we were singing those songs and the lyrics of the songs tonight. It goes on. That you may be filled, aligned, grounded, filled. Filled what? To the measure of all the fullness of God. Wow, well, what on earth does that look like? You mean I can be like God? Well, this was the trap that Adam and Eve fell into. Eve believed the lie that she could become like God. See, there are some attributes of God that he cannot impart to us. You and I cannot have. You cannot become eternal. You cannot become all-knowing. If you did, you'd be jolly dangerous. What friend would want to have you as a friend? (laughs) You cannot be ever-present everywhere. You'd also be dangerous. I'd never know when you're going to turn up. (laughs) 
please let me know when you're turning up because now you're ever present. We can't have those attributes. You can never be unchangeable. Oh my, but that would be a good attribute for some people to have. You can think of a lot of people who that would be a good attribute for them to have. It's an attribute of God. He, he doesn't change. He is immutable. However, God can give to us some of his attributes and fill us up with his fullness, his love, his holiness, his mercy, his kindness. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. And as the Spirit dwells within us, we are filled up with a measure of God's love. And Paul prays to the measure of all the fullness of God. Let me illustrate it this way. I've got one in, one in reserve. <clears throat> How many's favorite color is blue? Oh, a few. My favorite color is yellow. <laughs> now, you see, if I take this balloon, is that balloon full of air? Yeah, it's not a trick. It's full of air. Let me... Is that balloon full of air? Good. You're, you're with me. Let me blow it up again. Just with... Is that balloon full of air? You see, it doesn't matter the size of the balloon. It is full of air. It just depends how much of that fullness is in the balloon. And this is how we grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We let his life expand our life. We let his fullness invade us and fill us. We grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord. And as he fills us, our life expands and begins to reflect more of his love, of his holiness, of his gentleness, of his kindness, of his long-suffering, of his joy, of his peace, which we call the fruit of the Spirit. The fullness of of God. You see, it's more about seeking a person and not a blessing. It's more about seeking Jesus and not the more we can do for him. We can often come to these verses and think, well, wow, he can do immeasurably more than we could ask or think. What am I going to do for Jesus? That's way beyond any expectation. What am I going to go and do? Well, you will go and wear yourself out. You need to let him expand your life with all his fullness. As he fills you with more and more up to the measure of his character and love and who he is, out of that will be birthed desire to go and serve him. But it will be birthed out of the fullness. You see, it's not about a quality of what you can do. Sorry, it's not about quantity. It's about quality. And our temptation is to focus on quantity. We read in John 14, 12, that we will do greater works than even Jesus because he goes to the Father. And everybody, oh, greater works. You know, gosh, we're going to have miracles and we're going to have big signs and wonders. Well, how can you do anything greater than raising somebody from the dead? How many have walked on water recently? 
Again, we've gone into the quantity, I mean into the the quality of those works in this particular case, instead of realizing that here the greater works are referring to the work of the Spirit through believers, through the work of the Spirit in us, convicting unbelievers of sin because of the work of the Spirit in us that is filling us up with the fullness of God. You see, it's not our work, it's his work in us. And this is the more and the greater works, not bigger, better, and brighter miracles. The risen and exalted, glorious Lord Jesus Christ, in concert with God the Father through the power of the Spirit, is doing the work of filling us up to the measure of all the fullness of God. And as we breathe in and breathe out and walk in the Spirit, He fills us and expands us with more of Him. And so before we ever seek to do more for God, we must make sure we are filled with the fullness of God and the power that flows from the fullness, then we are ready to go and serve our Lord and Savior. We're able to go and do those things that we think we can't do. We go and do them not in our power, but in the power of all the fullness of God that fills us. We're motivated not by our own agenda, but by His. It's all about His glory And not our glory. It's not about our name on the trophy. But his. And it's not about us. But it's about the souls. Far from God right now. Who he calls us. To reach out to. And touch. Through the power of the spirit. With the fullness of who God is. Father. We thank you. We thank you that you can do immeasurably more than all we ask or think. As we immerse ourselves in your life. As we experience the fullness of your love and joy and peace and holiness and as we allow your character to fill us and do what seems impossible because maybe naturally we're just not a loving person. We're not a joyful person. We're not a kind person. We're not long-suffering. We're so impatient. Lord, all of those things, you can do immeasurably more because in the power of your spirit, you are in the business of changing lives. And so my prayer for this church, as they look to doing more, that first of all, the focus would be, Father God, fill me. Answer the prayer of Paul. Fill me to overflowing with all the fullness of God. Let me be one who walks in the Spirit. Let me be strengthened with all power. Let me understand more and more of the height and the depth and the width and the breadth of Christ's love.
And let your compassion so fill my heart that any task that I envision or dream of is motivated purely by my love for you and your love for people. Empower this church. Fill this church afresh with your spirit that they might do great things for you because you are great in them. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you so much. Amen. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Awesome. Awesome. As our panel comes to join us, um, can we just thank uh, Gordon for a, for a fantastic message? It was awesome. Come and find a seat. Where's the coffee? That's a good question. Jono, where's the coffee? Sorry. Let, let me introduce you to our panel. So hopefully, for most of you, these are familiar faces. That's, would you like me to move back? Okay. I'll sit back here. Round the back. Okay. On this couch just here, we have uh, Paul and Jill. And Paul and Jill are our founding senior pastors uh, here at Life Church. And then on the sofa opposite, we have Gordon and Johanna. Uh, who are from with us from Life Timaru? Great to have you guys with us, and thanks so much, Pastor Gordon, mm. for for that message. Now, you guys are our friends. No, <laughs> yes, yes, great. So tonight is is our chance to kind of ask these guys who have done life together and been friends for for many years, uh, just just about the journey, about their life, about how the decisions maybe they've made or what's happened along the way. Um, not to maybe disagree too much, but just to, just to kind of tell us a little bit more about the story. So let's go right back to um, back in the day when you were part of some outreaches, part of some mm, 
some outreaches in the city, and then that became our church. Could, could tell us what happened. What, what, tell us a bit about it. How did they come about? How did you get involved? What happened? Who's going to interrupt first? I'll, I'll tell you what. You're going to have to lead us fairly quite strongly because we all talk like crazy. <laughs> and and we interrupt. all interrupt like crazy. So just direct to someone. Yeah. yeah. So Paul's not on, so oh, we, we'll okay. just take sure, over. Yeah, so, so you, you take, you take you over. <laughs> just, just right back at the beginning, we met, um, which is really where it should begin, at what was then... What was it then? What was it called? I don't know. City oh, Christian, New Life? Christian Revival Fellowship. Christian Revival Fellowship, yeah. which later well, became New Life, New Life Centre, Majestic House, whatever. And City New Life. <laughs> we City met New there, Life. and um, we were just new. We had come from Baptist Church. Paul and Jill had been there about three months. Yeah, they'd come from the Salvation Army. And if I have the story correct, they had not really been invited to anyone's houses or anything. They were feeling a bit like, hmm, we've been here. And, and then they really felt the Lord say to them, well, what have you done? So they decided they were going to invite someone home, and they invited us. <laughs> and that's where it all started. Yeah. So, but yeah. We spent a fabulous evening together and discovered <clears throat> that Paul and I have our birthdays in July, yes. five days apart. And Jill and Joe have their birthdays in January, four days apart. So it was oh. it was destined. <laughs> Slightly different years. Not the same year, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I'm the oldest. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm the, the youngest. I'm the second oldest. <laughs> but Actually, only only by a few months. Yeah. It was quite interesting because we, we lived in Wollstone. Yeah. And you guys were still living down Pages Road. Oh, yeah. Oh, we were Pages yeah, Road yeah, at we the were. time. So yeah. Peter said, Peter Morrow came and said to yeah. us one day, what's on your heart? We've been in the church about less than two years. Mm. And I said to him, our area, because we had begun to pray about the area. Mm. And he sort of said, do you want to start an outreach? So it was really weird, actually. We'd, you mm. know, but we had a great burden for our area. And Gordon and I would meet every Wednesday morning right. before work. 6.30, 7.30, I can't remember. 6.30, 7 o'clock. Yeah, to yeah. pray and just to share and off to work. And we often prayed about our district. And so we had this real burden. Mm. We started praying for our area. Mm. Um, and we met together with other people who lived in the area and started to pray for the district. And out of that, um, eventually, a outreach started right, in so 1979. You, so just together you decided, right, there needs to be something happening here. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. And just and went and did it? Did, did the church know you'd gone to do this? Oh, no, they did. Yeah, they sent us. And, and the, the thing was, they did send us out to do it, and they sent Paul and I out to, to lead it. They never told us who was That's in charge. Right. Yeah, that was very interesting. That was very interesting. Because, um, I remember, you were preaching. I remember tonight when you were preaching. I remember yeah. we often, we'd take turns at preaching, and because we were young, I was thinking, I wonder who they think's better. And, um, <laughs> And there were all sorts of conflicts because nobody was in charge. And so because we were meant to be all equal, you can imagine the, you know, the, the, um, not the, um, we weren't ambitious, of course, but, you know, competitiveness, the competitiveness going, you know, well, I'm the leader, no, I'm the leader. And sometimes you think, how come that person asked them (laughs) for help when they didn't ask us for help, you know? And then some people went to Paul and Jill (laughs) and, well, why didn't they come to us, (laughs) you know? Yeah, it was a bit like that. But the funny thing was, it wasn't meant to work. It's not meant to you know, sort of go like that with four people together, no one's the leader, and yet it did. We did learn later on, many years later, I think, Peter had forgotten to tell Paul he was meant to be in charge. (laughs) (laughs) 
And the funny thing... Because he was older, you see. So Jill took over. <laughs> so Jill took and over. And the funny thing <laughs> was, Peter never, ever came to see what, was going, what, what we were no. doing. But he, he certainly had his finger on it because he talked to the people. And he knew yes. exactly what was happening, but he never... No, he got it wrong sometimes, though, didn't he? I mean, I remember <laughs> having a T-shirt on one night, taking my shirt off, and he said to me, I hear you undressed in church on Sunday. Oh. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's sort of, I got really uh, out of... <laughs> out of I can't have been there that night. <laughs> You'd remember that. Yeah, yeah. It was just a matter of walking in obedience. You know, yeah, it was an interesting yeah. time because both you guys had full-time jobs and we yeah. both had babies. And, um, and there were no walk-around phones in those days. So guess who most of the pastoring kind of stuff yeah. landed yeah. on? And while I was on the phone, this young man over here, you can't believe what he could get into on that phone while David. I'm stuck on the phone. <laughs> David, David would just, David. I called him my hurricane <laughs> because he could create havoc in such a, an amazing time. But we learned so much and we grew yeah. so much because we're both kind of more yeah. middle working class kind of yeah. upbringings. And, um, and then we were working with some of the very poorest and things that I never had even imagined could happen, happened and went on. And so it was a whole uh, growth experience for us. We're only young. We're in our 20s. And, mm. and uh, we learned so much. And we didn't have all of the knowledge to base it on. We only had God. Mm. And so we had to so rely on him for everything. And it's a good place to be. Whenever we, we got together, one thing that has stuck with me and was so precious was we would always pray together. We'd finish the night off. I think we'd stand and gather around in the... Hang glide. Uh, we'd hang glide. We'd hang glide yeah, together, yeah. you know, and, and pray. And that's always been a precious thing. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. Um, I think, yeah, looking back, it's great. And to be given the freedom was fantastic. I mm. do remember that the gang that turned up a few yes, times. Yes, yes. The bi- uh, I remember the first night it happened, yeah. we were halfway through the service and there was this noise at the door... And we couldn't figure out what was going on. There were these sort of very strong metallic sounds and thumping. And the guys came with chains on their boots, didn't they? And they, yeah. 10 of them, 12 of them, were yeah. turn, turned up in the middle of our service. It was in a school hall, you know, with wooden floors and stuff. They came for months, didn't yep, they? Yep, they did. Always came late. Yep. And uh, people just loved them. And I remember the gang leader's name was Jim. And I went to their house one day, and, and I figured out why. <laughs> <laughs> They took me into the bedroom and said, this is my bed, and I don't think he'd ever washed his sheets for 25 years, you know, it was amazing. But they were great times, weren't yeah, they? Really yeah. scary and interesting. and Tripping you know. down an engine in their lounge. <laughs> Some, something you finished with, um, Gordon, was you, you were encouraging people to seek a person, seek Jesus, and not a blessing. Yes. And when I was talking to you last night, you said um, our focus was never on what great things we could do hmm. for God. Yeah. So what was your focus on? Should that not be our focus on what can we do for God? I think our focus, we'd both come, Paul and Jill from the Salvation Army, ourselves from the Baptist Church, but both of us had a real sense of a call of God to serve him vocationally in ministry, and that 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 would be our lives. How that was going to pan out, because while Paul and Jill were in the Salvation Army, we in the Baptist, they have a, a pathway. You can go to a college, you know, and you can train. But we came into City New Life Church, and there's, what do you do? So we just got on to serve. So our, I think our heart was, we just want to serve the Lord. Right. And, and we can serve. So when opportunities came up, we would pray, and then we'd just step into the opportunity. Right. 
And I think that, I'd put it like this, it wasn't so much that we're, what could we do for God, but what could God do for these people? Yes. And we yes. were working with incredibly broken yeah. people and, and to see him work with them. I mean, there is no greater miracle than watching a life change. Yes. Despair yes. and bankruptcy to mm. functioning as, as a mother of four mm. or by themselves and getting out of debt. I mean, all those sorts of things are just so, well, we couldn't have done them, but right. God can. Um, and, so, and as you keep leaning into that, it's, it's all about people. You know, God yeah. loves us and loves people. Right. And he wants a relationship with us. So, so that's just been yeah. a continual question you've just continued to ask from then on. Obviously, you didn't just go, okay, we're starting the outreaches and that's what we were going to do. But continued on and now we have a church because of the faithfulness of going out and doing that. Mm. Is that just something you've continued to encourage within each other? Or is that, you know, you haven't had a lot to do with each other or... You still see each other and encourage each other within that. And uh, yeah. <laughs> you go, you go. I don't know what the question is now. I was, Do we still continue I, to yeah. encourage? And, yeah. yeah. We don't see each other a lot because we live in different cities. Is right. that what you're asking? But we encourage, whenever we catch up again, we just catch up where we left off. And I think yeah. we, even, we've, we went through some earlier. I mean, our kids grew up together, really, in that sense. These guys were going to look after our kids. If, was, if, our, if we died, they're going to be the, like godparents. Our daughters. Our daughter's greatest fear or whatever, when she was about nine, ten, was that something would either happen to Paul and Jill or to us because then she'd have to grow up with six boys. Yeah, true. As a teenager, it became, you know, it would have been a better idea. But at about the age of nine or ten, when she asked me why God even bothered to create boys, it yeah. <laughs> was her fear. Gordon and Joe also worked and ministered over in Holland for a few yeah. years as well. Yeah, and, and, and so there was that division. And um, I've got to say that letter writing is not one of my strengths. And there wasn't really? the same internet things that, that we have now. And so, but they did tell me that they papered their toilet with all my letters. Because <laughs> 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 there was none. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but when we saw each other, when you build these friendships, yeah. you know, those of you that are in your you know, 20s, look, the friendships you build at this age, they're, they're lifetime friendships. Yes. And, yes. and you just can encourage each other. And, yeah. and you guys still meet on a regular basis, yeah. don't yeah. you? Uh, in Ashburton for breakfast. Yeah. And lots of talking. Cool. Just, just before we finish, because we are, we are nearly out of time, before I ask Gordon to maybe pray for us um, again before we go back into time of worship, for you guys have so faithfully served and done what God has asked you to do over many years, and I know on behalf of me and on behalf of the church, we are so grateful for everything that you have done and invested within our city, within our church, and just a massive thank you. So... As, as one generation to another, how do we continue to chase after everything that God wants us to do? What are some things that you've maybe learned along the way that, can, that would help us to continue to be, to be faithful and to, to continue to go after what God wants us? I'll get my first because it's quick. <laughs> Success is only obedience. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I think that's true. And I think it's getting stuck in and doing stuff. You know, I think you don't sit back and wait for an opportunity to come. If you see an opportunity, go ahead and offer to do it. Right. And, I mean, I look for people all the time who are willing to do stuff, and I notice them because that's what I was like, you know. Right. Um, get in the face, do it. Um, get out there, volunteer, you know. Just get out, we get out in the mm. streets and talk to people about Jesus late right. at night and all that sort of stuff. It was it's great. It's, it's not so easy these days, of course. But, yeah, mm. and really just be faithful. Get, get 
and ask the Lord to really guide you as you do it. For me, um, it's just about just keeping your heart with God. Because I think, you know, we've been through some very difficult things through the years. As, as you know, usually when you get to our age, you probably have had some things. But I think just keeping your heart pure, keeping my heart pure, our hearts pure. I think that's the thing that kept our friendship too, because we did go very different ways. I mean, we went to Holland, and you know, now we're in Timaru. And but the fact that we have the same passion, the mm. centre of our lives, that the thing that keeps us going is just, yeah, we're always hungry for God and mm. and hungry for what mm. He wants mm. and for yeah more. <laughs> and I was just going to interrupt you saying that you reminded me that I think we've all gone through lots of disappointments and things haven't gone right, but the thing I'm often praying is, God, give me a soft heart and a tough skin. Mm. Yeah. Because yeah. it get the other way around, you know, and all of us, you've gone through yeah. lots of stuff. Yeah. If you let your heart get tough and your skin gets soft, you're in big trouble. Mm. Yeah. So you've got to ask the Lord to do that because it's not natural for me, really. It's not natural for any of us, but keep our heart soft, Lord, yeah. and, our, and our skin tough. And I, I think I'd tap into what Jill said about it's, it's being obedient in a long direction, as one person has said. And it's not about me. It's about the cause of Christ. It was never my plan to be in Timaru. That was not on my radar. <clears throat> but I'm there. <laughs> and I'm thankful that God has sent me there. And, and I think the, the key to going the distance is fostering and keeping that relationship with Jesus. If it becomes about anything else, you're setting yourself up for failure. It's got to be about Jesus. Because in there, you find your security, you find your purpose. And no matter what happens, you know, you, you go back and, and rest in that relationship. And I think, like I said this morning, you dig the well of salvation and no matter how deep the pain is, Jesus is always deeper still. It's not about you or me. It's about him through you and me. Hey, church, can we just thank these guys? That was awesome. Mm. Thanks so much. And I'm just going to ask if uh, Pastor Gordon, if you would um, pray for us just before, as we go yeah. back in time. Of- yeah, great, great. Lord, as uh, we've just sat on the couches with dear, beloved friends, it just reminds me of, of your love for us. That if we can have love for one another, how much greater is your love for us? And again, I pray that you would fill us up with more of your love, expand us. Help us to become the people who can do what we never thought we could do because we're filled with more and more of you. Let our lives be all about you and not about us because as it becomes more about you, oh, we discover joy unspeakable. We discover strength that we've never known. We discover patience and endurance 
that we've never experienced. Because you do in us what we can never do. So I pray for us all that we would just continue to surrender in a long walk of obedience to you. And all that you ask of us. And help us to keep our hearts humble before you and before others. That Jesus might be glorified in our lives. And many, many more people would find you, Lord Jesus, because of your life in us. We ask this in your name. And for your sake. Amen. Amen.